0: This is the Adam Gold show. There are a lot of ways to watch and take in and study the sport of hockey. I would say that to even to the untrained eye last night,
1: mm-hmm.
0: two goals is probably the absolute lowest total the Hurricanes could have gotten out of last night's game. Yeah. <laughs> How many empty nets? Did the Hurricanes miss on backdoor plays alone? Forget about other ways that they could have scored. Fost. Fost, easily. Jarvis. And Jarvis. Each had tap ins. Yeah. Two foot birdie putts that they all either whiffed or shot over the net from he sinks point three exactly. Putts. As I put on Twitter yesterday, it's like the Hurricanes became a team full of Scott hoaxes. You don't know you don't know who Scott Hoke is, Dennis. You're not a golf fan. But Scott Hoke had a chance to win the Masters in nineteen eighty nine? Eighty nine. I believe it was eighty-nine. The uh, Nick Faldo's first Masters. Legit chance to win the Masters. Scott Hoke, Wake Forest guy. Uh Broughton High School guy, I believe. Um he had a two foot putt to win the Masters. Didn't even hit the hole. That's what happened to the hurricanes last night whoops yeah it's not good uh anyway uh but they win it in a shootout it would have been criminal to not get two points out of that considering how many great scoring chances they had from the third period on it was an absolute one-sided match uh you can listen to a recap of the game some analysis of the game or whatever it passes for it uh in the Kane's corner podcast uh my friend brian leblanc who writes for Kane's country he joined me and we talked about the game. We talked about some players that assessed the first month of the season. Who would you say is the first star of the month of October? Oh, Natchez. Yeah. Second close. Second star. Well, I think it's close. Second star was Svech and Spetsch, yeah. Uh, third star. Now we're getting a
1: little. Uh, third star for the Canes in the month of October?
0: Uh-huh. Mm. I mean, there's a stock answer that nobody's ever going to say you're wrong. Well, you can always say Slavin. There you go. You can always say Slavin, and I would you're actually, never wrong.
1: I would actually say Brett Pesci.
0: Pesci was great. Pesci and Shea together have been dynamite. Yeah. Um, I actually gave it to Jordan Martinuk. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't disagree Martinuk's with that. martinook has been dynamite. Absolutely have loved basically every game that he has played. He's just been really, really good. And every line he gets on, sudden, oh, look at that. That line's dominating. Mm-hmm. Might have something to do with the way 48 is playing, so... Uh, all good. Hurricanes are off Thursday. They will play in Tampa. Friday at home against Buffalo. been saying this for two weeks. I think the Sabres are good. Mm-hmm. That game is on ESPN Plus and Hulu. Ah, the curse. <laughs> Got to find out if John Bouchergross is doing that game. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then Sunday against the Maple Leafs here on ESPN The Reels. Mm-hmm. So proper, just the four-letter network, no number or uh, extra symbol involved. Just ESPN. Uh, Shall we do the wall of sound? The wall of sound is a function of this studio. There's no doubt about it. There is no doubt about it. All right, let's start with the college football playoff selection show coming up tonight. Paul Feinbaum from ESPN. Who do you think will be number one?
2: Well, my top four will not mirror what we're going to see tonight. I still like Ohio State as the most complete team. After that, Georgia, Tennessee, and Michigan. Having said that, uh, there's a lot of reason to believe Tennessee could end up number one tonight based on the win three weeks ago over Alabama. Yeah. They have the best win.
0: And I think Georgia has the second best win. And I'm not – I mean – Ohio State's win at Penn State, certainly not bad. It's a good win. But that's basically they've that's the one team they have played this year.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's so funny. You we played a Joel Clatt from Fox Sports. Played a Joel Clatt clip a week and a half ago. Yeah. Where he was slamming Clemson. Except that you could have taken Clemson out and put in legitimately, Ohio State. And it would have sounded 100% correct. Essentially, Ohio State's been playing one-game seasons. Because, like, no offense to the rest of the Big Ten, but it it hasn't been that good. No. Ohio State and Michigan are basically, it's a good thing they're in the same division, because you know they're going to play every year. But everybody from the Big Ten West is bad. <laughs> bad, well, different versions of bad. I mean, they're not bad. Illinois is not terrible, right? They're just not that great. And they're the best team on that side, it seems. Wisconsin's always been overrated. Just nobody else is any good over there. The, the best teams have all been in the East, whether it's um, Michigan or Penn State or until the last couple of years, Michigan State. But everybody else in the East is just awful. Mean the ACC has the same type of thing. They've got some really good teams, and then oh gosh, what's that? What's the rest? Of, the rest of that isn't good. Mm-hmm. So after Clemson, second best team right now is Carolina. Yeah, like fair. I mean, we do fair to say that. Do you take do you take part in the W R A L uh, power rankings Absolutely. every week? All right. So who did who did you rank number one in the state of North Carolina? UNC. Right. Who did you rank number two? Wake. I think I still did Wake, yeah. Mm -hmm. Even after nine uh, hundred turnovers, Um, yeah, I went Wake. Not sure who I did next. Might have been State. Um,
1: They went UNC, Wake, State, Duke.
0: I don't believe we talked about it yesterday. East Carolina with another nice win. Yeah. At at BYU, BYU, right? So that's two really good wins in a row. The home win over Central Florida, then, and this is they won in overtime the week before. It's a Central Florida game, so this is a Pirates team that's starting to starting to show some stuff. I think I had ECU in the top five of our North Carolina polls ahead of App. Yeah, I think I had ECU five, App six. Right, I had Central. I've have, I have Central high up uh, high up there. I think I have Central either six or seven. I might have dropped App below Central. Remember, we're ranking them in relation to where they're you know the level they play. Yeah. So Central's been excellent.
1: I was at the game when they played at Campbell, and Campbell blew them out. Oh, Central. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Central lost there, and Central Central lost to South Carolina State. Yeah. So, So I don't don't even know why I brought that up. Uh, All right, one more thing from Paul Feinbaum. And this is a weird one for me, but I am curious. Tennessee and Georgia will meet this week. It is a de facto semifinal for the SEC East. If Tennessee wins they're going to end up in the conference championship game. If Georgia wins, they're going to end up in the conference championship game. Theoretically, they could each lose another game, but if you have the win over your rival, you'd have to lose twice. So this is really a semifinal to, go to see who goes and plays Alabama. Paul Feinbaum, who needs it more?
2: Well, I think it's Georgia uh, because if Georgia loses this game – Uh, they may be done uh, for the SEC championship, and then they have to sit around and wait. Where Tennessee still has in in its back pocket that win over Alabama. Now, that's assuming Alabama runs the table and gets to Atlanta. So everybody at this point, and you'll see this later tonight, starts rooting for the opponents that they played because you you need the strength of, of schedule it's It's hard to imagine that Georgia can make a very strong claim for a bid if it doesn't play into the championship game and it's and its biggest game of the year was a loss at home so then you you roll back and say, Where else does Georgia have a good win well they 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 beat Oregon in the first week of the season by forty six points that did not look impressive. Oregon has turned out to be a really good team, but after that, they don't have much else to uh, to brag about
0: i mean most pretty much nobody does. Uh, here's the real answer to this, and I guess you have to answer one or the other, but the real answer is it doesn't matter because the loser of this game is at the mercy of what Alabama does. If Alabama actually plays at LSU this week, it's a losable game. If Alabama doesn't lose again, gets to the SEC championship game, and wins the SEC championship game, the loser of this game is out. Doesn't matter who it is. If Georgia loses this game and Alabama gets to the SEC championship game and beats an unbeaten Tennessee team, well, then Georgia's out. And Tennessee and Alabama are both going. And the same thing happens if it's the other way. If Tennessee loses this game and Georgia gets to the SEC Championship game and Alabama wins, Tennessee's out. <laughs> Potentially. It's the way it's going to go. Potentially. It's, I mean, of course, but that all things being equal, the S, the the champion of the SEC with one loss is going to the playoff. And then the winner Of that Georgia-Tennessee game. I'm assuming this is Alabama, right? The winner of that Georgia-Tennessee game would still have one loss. Mm -hmm. And they're going to the playoff. And the tiebreaker would be who won the game. I find it hard to believe that Georgia could win at home, beat Tennessee, and then Tennessee go to the playoff if Georgia gets beat by Alabama. Unless Alabama beats them by 60. Yeah. Just that, that result... Oh wait a second! Settle it on the field. Oh yes, there yes. Settle it on the field. Yes. Yeah, we gotta. We're, we have to really go through this a little bit later on. See <laughs> Adam Gold Show. I am Adam Gold. Dennis Cox on the ones and twos. <laughs> Captain Ateneel. Was that Captain Ateneel? No. Who was that again? No, that's Maxim Nightingale. Oh, okay. I pop. Wow. Well, sure. How did I get those two mixed up? Uh, <laughs> still very, uh, very seventies from you, Dennis Cox. It's a good song. It? I think this was actually the Islanders' goal song for a while. No way. I dead serious. God, no, no chance of that. <laughs> if you're right, man, that is awesome that they use that for a goal song. All right, we had no World Series game last night after a day off. Uh, I can't imagine that impacts one team worse than the other, but maybe it did. Let's find out from Elliot Johnson, our World Series analyst guru uh, who joins us. Uh, you ever been in a situation where a short series had an off day and then a rainout? out?
3: Uh, probably, but like off the top of my <laughs> head, I can't remember the last time we had something like that. But luckily, most of my time was in with uh was in st pete with a dome so we didn't have to worry about that too much
0: domes domes in sports real before we get to uh a little bit more about the world series there's a kind of a a a rumbling movement in the nfl and i think it should be across all sports to get off artificial turf what are your thoughts on artificial turf
3: uh, I think the old school artificial turf, if you remember, like mm-hmm. you, know, you remember Three River Stadium in Cincinnati and how awful that was. Yep. Like, you know, on, Andre Dawson was one of my favorite players growing up. So hearing about how his knees have been just shredded from playing yep. Um, in Montreal on that type of turf. You remember those balls would fall in and the guys would be jumping. Yep. So I, I, I'm not in favor of any of that. But playing in St. again, at the Trop in St. Pete they they've got it down pretty good and and everyone wants to throw shade about the experience there but as an infielder it was the best surface in the game (laughs) i have no problem saying that to anyone because it was so consistent all the time um you knew what you were going to get out of it um i remember you know shoot you know this will make me look bad but it's a story Tommy hit one over the a ring and i ran rushing in to the mound to go get it and i lost it it landed about where i started and the hop might have been shin high so that, I absolutely love that. But I think the NFL has an argument really more so for you know, I, I realize the ACL epidemic is a is yeah. a real thing, but I think they have more of an argument for the uh the surface beyond the the field when they get pushed out of bounds and whatnot and, and the injuries that have occurred from that. I think that's more of a real threat to player safety than the uh artificial turf versus uh uh real surface and grass I do not I d I don't I don't know if I necessarily Am worried about artificial surfaces in the NFL. More about the area surrounding between the, the playing area and the stands. I think is more of a threat to guys.
0: Also, the players are dangerous to each other. So uh, we'll just leave it at uh, leave it at that. Unless you're a quarterback, <laughs> that's true. Unless you're Tom Brady as a quarterback, you can be other quarterbacks <laughs> and they can still kill you. Uh, that's allowed. It's not allowed if you're if you're Tom Brady. Uh, all right. To uh, to what didn't happen yesterday. They think it caused the Phillies to kind of reshuffle their starting rotation. They're, is it troubling for you that Zach Wheeler is now a game six guy?
3: No, no. I'm, I'm. you know, again, because obviously everybody knows where I stand on this. I think it's a, you know, really either clubhouse that you're in, you always try to spin it as a positive, right? Because it only matters if you want it to, but pushing Syndergaard back, is, is beneficial. Using him out of the pen rather than giving him a start is beneficial because uh, I would much rather have, you know, Ranger Suarez uh, pitching um, as a starter. I would much rather have Wheeler starting, Nola starting. I know he got roughed up in game one, but it, it, it's going to help the Phillies a lot because, you know, the Astros are so deep. I don't think it really matters for them because they could give the ball to just about anybody and they're good. Right. Um, I think the Phillies definitely, um, it's helping them uh, in some ways. Because, you know, like Dominguez, that guy's really good. He's throwing 100, and nobody's really touching him. Alvarado's been outstanding. Um, you know, he's you know, so as much as they can possibly do to, to take pressure off of having to give the ball to other guys, I think is nothing but good news because Brad Hand hasn't been the same guy. You don't necessarily like Gibson or Eflin as much as you do, you know, Dominguez, Alvarado, and so on.
0: All right, make sense of Justin Verlander in the World Series. Five World Series and an ERA over six. It's perplexing.
3: He's good. He's really good, okay? And, you know, he's he deserves all the credit in the world. Not not necessarily somebody that we always enjoyed facing, right, because he's got great stuff. Um, but, you know, I, I think he gets – it's really the third time through is what I've kind of noticed the most, Adam. So I, I know that all the analytics guys won't like it because his stuff is still really good. In fact, you know, I remember facing him in the ninth inning and him just going out there macho mode and throwing 99-100-101 sometimes. You know, where he's just, so he kind of abandons his game plans later in the game and just tries to overpower people because his stuff is so good. But in, in a lot of ways, it ends up getting himself in trouble. Um, uh, you know, I remember a, a game in Detroit, he ended up getting pulled And uh, we ended up coming back and beating him in Detroit. And he, I think he pitched like one run, you know, up into the eighth inning up to that point and still left the game with a loss. So, I mean, I love that sort of stuff, but uh, he's a great pitcher. Um, Maybe he ends up being his own worst enemy uh, as it pertains to getting down to the third uh, time through. And he starts just trying to overpower people with his heater and abandoning the slider change up curveball mix. But you know i still think that i you can pretty much trust him in any situation he's got great stuff adam
0: i mean there's no question he has great stuff and he has had an amazing year um but man the philly philly got to him it looked like they got to him early and i mean it well, wasn't the first time through but uh i mean he didn't did he did he last into the fifth
3: well but those at bats were pretty remarkable i mean the the single um, you know, there, there was, there was a slap single in left field, Castellanos. That was a really impressive at bat. He lost Schwarber. That was a huge at bat three, two, and threw it, you just yanked the heater mm-hmm. down, which was another huge at bat. Um, he hung a breaking ball to Bohm right down the middle first pitch. And usually he used that to steal a strike, but Bohm was ready for it. So give him credit. Um, uh, Stott put together some decent at bats so but he got overpowered pretty well. Um, you know, Harper was overpowered. I mean, he just went, you know, good morning, good afternoon, good night to him, heater, heater, heater. So, but at the same time, like, like that Castellanos at bat was really impressive Or just how tough it is. You know, even, you know, it was like a half swing at him, and he slapped it into left mm-hmm. field. Um, and so, you know, that, that's baseball, right? You know, you, you right. give up a bloop, a bloop and a single and a double, and here we are now it's five runs later, and, and you know, Real Muto hits an opposite field home <laughs> run, and it's a tied uh, tie series.
0: Look, it's if, if you're Houston, is it, do you need, do you have to have Verlander to pitch well? Or are they structured to be a champion no matter what Verlander does tonight?
3: Well, they're going to be fine. I, obviously, I, I think they're going to be fine. Uh, I think their team is great. I think Dusty's going to put him on a shorter leash this time around, though. I, I don't think he wants to just sit there and ask their questions about why he left <laughs> Verlander out to dry again. Uh, because they have so much depth in the bullpen, I think he's going to be shorter. Uh, if he gets into trouble, I think he's probably, get, you're going to see the bullpen get warm a whole lot earlier. And, you know, to, for anybody that says that Verlander's earned the right, no, he hasn't. Nobody earns the right to be bigger than a World Series potential win. So as soon as he runs into trouble, you can expect the, the bullpen to get up and going because, you know, it's one of the best in the game.
0: So what you're saying is that Matt Harvey shouldn't have been uh, on the mound in the ninth inning of game oh. five? Oh wow
3: <laughs> we're, we're gonna throw that back
0: ah man that hurts so just...
3: you know and, and you know and, and in some ways i respect colin's giving him the chance to go back out there right yeah. it's his game go get it you know you got us here we trust in you but he has to make you know and here we are because it didn't work out so we're talking about <laughs> it but you know i mean how many times you know i remember grady little right with uh, pedro back in the day when he had nothing left and oh. got beat up you know so these decisions are what define careers and and potential memories for these organizations and rings. So you have to remove yourself from those, those, you know, feelings. Like even Dave Roberts is susceptible with it with Kershaw, right? He's like, Oh, he's earned it. He hasn't earned anything. Not pertains to to this situation. Of course, he's earned all kinds of respect, but as it pertains to winning today, check your bias at the door. We're trying to win today. I don't care if you played five seconds or 50 years in the big leagues, you still are trying to win today and I don't care who's out there. Just give it to give the ball to the person that's gonna help us win today. None of that stuff matters. That's in the past.
0: Is there Elliot Johnson is joining us here on the Adam Gold show. Is there a uh, is there anything to the house money feel that Philly may have by the fact that they qualified with the lowest win total in the big leagues Ooh. among playoff teams? Personally, I don't believe that works because once you get here, you may never get back. Amen. um so I think that's probably
3: the narrative they've run with to this point, but Philly is a very demanding city, Adam. I don't think that you're gonna be able to claim that to any of the fans like it's it's a victory, right? Like quietly, it's a victory that the front office for the front office for the organization for the city to be in the World Series okay we we all get that, right? Mm-hmm. But now, who cares? You're there. Uh, I don't care if it's, if it's David Goliath. I mean, we're here to win. Um, you know, I think that that narrative is probably Schwarber has been saying it the whole time, but now that we're here, it doesn't matter. It's all squared up. It's one, one, and you're at home. You need to get two of these three and and that's really where things stand today. Um, so it doesn't matter. You can, you can claim that you can play the, the underdog story all you want, and maybe that's what they're doing. But I, I don't think that the, the city of Philadelphia is going to put up with anything other than winning a world series.
0: Well, I I agree. And I, again, I just because you weren't expected to be there doesn't mean you have to treat it any differently. It, you may never, ever get back. I wonder how many teams thought, well, we'll be back here again and never got back there again. I mean, the fact yeah, look that, what the, look, you know, you started with
3: football. Look at the Bucks right now. Look at how they're playing right now. Good <laughs>
0: grief. Uh, well, know. they're a thousand no years guarantees. old. There are no, there are no guarantees in any sport. And, and even if you bring the same team back, there's no guarantee it's going to look the same. There just right. isn't. Well,
3: and, what? So who, who is the last team to go to the world series two times in a row? Was it Kansas city? They lost and then won. How about before that?
0: Houston uh, new Houston, Houston hasn't gone two years in a row. They've, uh, they have basically altered, saying? right. Yeah, it's, well, yeah. it's hard. I mean, we we all know how hard it is. And it's hard, it's hard to repeat. It's hard to get back there. Uh, probably the Rangers. Didn't the Rangers go two years in a row?
3: Uh, so that's going back to what, are we talking?
0: Giants what? and Cardinals oh. got him, right? Early teens? Okay. That's possible. But
3: even then, think about this, Adam, to, to prove your point even further. Those rosters are not constructed the same way. So you might be a part of this team this year. There's no promises you're going to be a part of it next year.
0: That is true. Elliot Johnson, you're the best, man. I appreciate your time. We'll talk again very soon.
3: All right, go (laughs) Phillies.
0: Elliot does not want the Astros to win. I Look, I'm not a fan of either team, but I am rooting for Dusty Baker to get his World Series. I think it would be, you're talking about a baseball lifer. I don't think you're alone in that, by the way. No, oh, I don't. I don't think I am either. Um, look, I think both teams. Yeah, you know, I, th- I did find it funny that apparently there was uh, was there an uh, an Astros player who was cited for using an illegal bat.
1: You know, there's interesting about that. There's an interesting story backstory to that. By it
0: the was way. a bat that was given to him by Albert Pujols. Yes, and it was legal for Pujols because it was grandfathered in. Yeah. For his use, I don't know how it. Is un- non-conforming. I don't. I, I haven't read enough about why it's an illegal bat for somebody not named Albert Pools, but it's okay for Albert Pools, which seems silly to me. So that it, it,
1: it conveys to the next person as so you hand it down.
0: Like, no, it, it's <laughs> silly that the bat is illegal for somebody not named Pools, but it's not illegal for Pool. That just makes no sense. Yeah. it is. It either is illegal, or it isn't. Illegal. (laughs) I want Albert Pujols'
1: seven hundred plus home runs out of the record books. Used an illegal bat. It's out of the record
0: books. I just need to know. That's what we do. Just strike it down. What is it? Flat on one side. I don't understand. (laughs) Cricket bat. (laughs) Yeah, it's exactly. I don't. I just don't understand. You might have seen the news that Tom Brady and Giselle had filed for not filed. Actually, had already gone through the process had dissolved their marriage mm-hmm. had divorced uh here's Brady on the the fact that you can't keep one out of the other.
2: There's a lot of professionals in life that go through things that they deal with at work and they deal with at home and obviously, the good news is things that it's a very amicable situation, and I'm really focused on two things: taking care of my family and certainly my children. Secondly, doing the best job I can to win football games. So that's what professionals do. You focus at work when it's time to work. And then when you come home, you focus on the priorities that are at home. All you can do is the best you could do. That's what I'll just continue to do as long as I'm working and as long as I'm being a dad.
0: I mean, good for Brady to address it and to address it honestly. It's impossible. Your personal life, Yes, you'd like to think that you could keep everything that happens away from your workplace, away from your workplace. But there is no possible way to do it. There just isn't. And it's understandable. Like We, we don't know if it's negatively impacted his play, but it definitely negatively impacts his ability to focus at all moments during you know when he's at the football facility because you're always i mean the the power of what is going on in your personal life whether it's with your kids or with your spouse i mean that stuff that that will always creep in if it's if it's a powerful moment in your life it's going to be like it's not in the back of your mind it's in the front of your mind and you can't get away from that so you know, Dennis you, you you don't you don't have a, a a family, right? No, 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 that you know of. No, no, no. Know wow. Of. Okay. So I'm just I'm just I saying, know. right? We, <laughs> we never know. So, like, I have two kids, and a and a wife, and I would I would say that all day long, even with nothing traumatic going on, all day long, I get thoughts about this or that that do not pertain to this. pertain to my home life Mm -hmm. or my what my kids are doing or school or sports it's just a natural thing that happens you just can't separate it so we always wonder why why is he playing like whatever well sometimes it's nothing other than his personal life is not in a great spot it's just absolutely inevitable we have another trade This has become like the NHL. Yeah, I
1: know. Breaking all the news and stuff here. This actually involves a former first-round pick from NC State. Okay. So the Miami Dolphins are trading a 2023 first-round pick, one they got from the San Francisco 49ers as part of the Trey Lance trade, plus a 2024 fourth-round pick and running back Chase Edmonds. So Miami is sending those three assets. To Denver? To Denver for Bradley Chubb and a 2025 fifth-round pick.
0: I, I thought Bradley Chubb was going to, uh, going to move. Denver won a game and still moved Bradley Chubb. It's interesting. Actually,
1: Albert Breer pointed this out. The three first-round picks that the Dolphins got in the Trey Lance deal, the 2021 pick they packaged to move that up to get uh, Jalen Right. the 2022 pick they sent to get to the Chiefs for Tyreek Hill, and the 2023 pick is now for Bradley Chubb.
0: What did I say before? Assets. The first-round first picks are assets. That's what they are. They're either assets to use in the draft to select a player or assets to use to move up to select another player or assets to use to send to a team to get an actual player. Good for the Dolphins. All in on this year. This is the Adam Gold Show.